0: Hey guys, Montel here. Welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. My guests today are a couple who bonded over their passion for cannabis and they own and operate Dispense Throne, LLC, a cannabis edible education wellness brand, as well as a patient delivery system. They are on a mission to open Baltimore's first fully black owned dispensary. Queenie King, thanks so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montella today. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you. Absolutely. Queen, let's start with you by having you share a little bit about your background and, you know, how you first became interested in medical cannabis.
2: Well, um, just like most people, I started recreationally, like as a teenager. Um, I actually ended up having um, illnesses over the time of my adulthood. And in my late 20s, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, Unfortunately, it's very systemic. Uh, So I started chemotherapy and used disease-modifying drugs, and that's how I started, you know, really encountering the joys of cannabis and the relief it brought me, um, because during that time, I had a lot of severe nausea. I also encountered other people that were in the chemotherapy program that was way more severe, um, and I started seeing that there was such a need for more um, availability, not just of cannabis, but cannabis in different delivery methods. So with that, I just started kind of focusing my work on trying to figure out different ways, not just to help other people but also educate people so they can help other people because that's really what it's about just like your own, your
0: own, your own personal it. journey telling yeah. people and sharing with people what you've used for yourself to get help what how, what's been some of the ways that cannabis has helped some of your symptoms
2: um the biggest thing i always tell people is like nausea is one of those things that can knock your whole day off um but as well as i have a joint like deformities so over time like i've had a lot of relief with that like uh i used to have a really deformed finger. Now it's come down a lot. um, So it's giving me as well as just muscle relief, joint tension relief, um, just ease of life. So instead of having six to seven hours of pain, maybe I'll have like an hour or two of pain a day, which I can deal with because I can go on the rest of my day. Um, And and, having to be in bed all day or using a cane, which I used to use.
0: What's been your, your delivery system of choice?
2: Um, I really love blunts. I, (laughs) There's something about them. They're just special. Uh, but I also am very into topicals, um, edibles. So that's also like RSOs, so coconut oils that are infused. Um, but also I make uh, things that are used for like baths. So people that have like muscle spasms usually use them for baths as well. So I personally, I love blunts, but I love my cannabis in any way.
0: Oh, and, and, and again, and I'm not asking you to be a doctor in this, but just so Sorry. From... Sorry. That's right. And I'm not asking you to be a doctor in this, but, you know, can you tell me a little bit about, have you noticed, you know, I know um, RA, the inflammatory uh, issue is, the, is just like MS, is, is our major nemesis. You you seem to get some anti-inflammatory relief. Yes. Um, you smoke a with I guess.
2: Yes. Anti-inflammatory relief is, is probably the major uh, thing I teach about is because people think that it's just cannabis that gives that. But there's different terpenes and different cannabis that provide like immense, you know, anti-inflammatory properties. So I'm like our bronchodilators. So with RA, it also affects my lungs. So that actually helps me breathe better. Um, people think that, you know, cannabis is so simple, but like there's so many complexities that it it touches all those body systems that do your muscles, that uh, your joints, um, your even your skin. Like there's so many things about RA people don't understand, but it's my system is attacking itself. So cannabis brings relief to it so that it, it slows the attack so that I can, you know,
1: have a normal life.
0: Gotcha. And King, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background in cannabis?
1: Well, I'm not as exciting as Queen. Uh, <laughs> jumped on pretty late, actually, not too far. Uh, well, long before I met her. Um, I should say I used to be against cannabis use. I was one of those guys, you know, young in my life. Um, I knew folks, younger folks, friends, family members that used it and always thought it was something wrong with it because it was illegal. Um, and then I feel like later on in the process of me going through a period in my life uh, with deep depression, uh, loss of family members, loss of jobs and things like that. Um, I turned to cannabis, actually, with a, a close family member and uh, they put me on it. Uh, this was in the, in the process of it becoming legal in uh, certain states and all um, and just gave me more research about it. Uh, So I really picked up on more of the recreational side of it. Uh, Well, not really, because it was more medicinal as well, I guess, if you include depression and anxiety and things of that nature. I mean,
0: yes. I mean, we do know that a lot of people who gravitate to cannabis, whether that they gravitate to it because they believe that it's for medical reason. I believe that there is no recreational use of cannabis. I think it's all... Some form of medical use, because some people won't admit to the fact that they use it to reduce anxiety. They want to relax when they come home from work. They want to um, uh, go to sleep better. They want to ease some of their pain, maybe back pain, joint pain. They don't recognize that that's an underlying medical reason. So, I, mean, I kind of hate the term adult use and recreational use because I think I,
2: like- do I. <laughs> I just try and use it because it's what people use, but I, I feel like, yes, it should just be people use. You know, like it's healing people Absolutely. just heal
0: for their own reasons. It is. It's been around for thousands of years for that sole purpose of healing. So, you know, I think that um, you know, I'm glad that uh, and, and you, King, decided that that it did provide you with some relief for some of your own ailments or uh, ailments that are not. King.
1: Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, That's it did. I didn't know you asked me a question. I'm sorry, Montella. I'm sorry. Uh, I said, no, it,
0: it, it helped you, provided you some relief from some of your own ailments,
1: correct? Yes, sir. It did. Uh, I realized once I once I started using it that, uh, as I said, anxieties went down, uh, depression. I dealt with back pains since I've been a teenager. Um, just normal, a bunch of things. As uh, Queen said earlier, we say the same thing. Um, recreational really isn't recreational, as you said. Uh, everybody's using it for some reason. There's some reason that they, you know, turn towards it. I wanted to use it. Uh, They may not know why. It's probably because, you know, simple things as depression and anxiety, as I said, uh, and just needing, you know, a step away from life. Um, But like I said, I found uh, cannabis maybe around almost 30. I'm now almost 36. I'm 36 in November. So I was a late bloomer. Um, But I met this lovely lady. Uh, She taught me so much information about it. I was um, already a guy that was big in business. Um, I graduated from polytechnic in Baltimore city. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, get off the ground and do something different. And I said, I was going through a hard time in life and she told me she had an idea and that's something that, you know, I stood behind a hundred percent. I told her the day of that I, you know, just want to start something. We should give everybody a chance to know this information and be able to use this medical, you know, miracle. Let's put on this earth. And, um, we've been rocking since then, Monta.
0: And how did you meet? And when, was this that you met at a party? You met out hanging out or what? How'd you you want to tell them or you want me to tell
1: them? <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll, I'll give him a version. Um, we were basically, we met in a group actually on Facebook uh, that was about cannabis. Uh, so it was she was actually in the group trying to uh, teach people about, you know, the medical uses because the same thing we just said earlier, folks thought it was more just recreational, recreational, and she was in the group. Uh, trying to teach people that there were actually medicinal reasons for using cannabis and that you could receive your card. And this is when dispensaries and all and that whole, um, receiving your, your medical marijuana card and all was, was starting. So she was just telling folks and po- folks were scared to take that step at the beginning. Um, I talked to her as far as letting her know, I saw something, you know, she was ahead of the curve. She was being the Walmart at that time as far as being the original where you can go ahead and, uh, you know, I see, I see the, I saw the vision. I should say myself. And um, once I saw that, I met up with her. Asked if she wanted to talk for a second. Um, from that point on, we had discussions about cannabis and other things. I think it was at a Applebee's, maybe. No, we actually went to a Golden Corral. Golden Corral. Uh, Our first state. <laughs> and uh,
2: from that
1: point,
0: well, let's talk a little bit about how difficult it is in Baltimore and in Maryland to. You know, participate in that program that's there. I know that since it started, it's, you know, I did a lot of, you know, I was down there when uh, Martin O'Malley was the governor and literally, um, you know, uh, spoke to him quite a bit about, um, you know, uh, for a couple of different occasions about moving initiatives forward to finally make cannabis available as a medical agent. But the state has been mired in its own muck for years.
2: That's a good word for it.
0: As as Baltimore, as Maryland started to break out of this, this malaise of you know good old boy network and trying (laughs) to help you know uh,
1: uh, actually deliver the product.
2: Well, you want to answer? You want me to answer? I'm
1: gonna answer that one, Queen. That's all you.
2: Well, the words you use were actually very perfectly descriptive of the program. Um, I've, it's, been, it's, I've been I've been in and out
0: of Baltimore testifying for you guys yeah. a couple of times. Um and unfortunately,
2: I, I wish I could say it's gotten better. Um unfortunately it's just been a lot more stops because of just all the rumored corruption that was involved in the program when it, you know, it was in its inception. And because of that, they've kept a lot of people of color out of, you know, not even just the licensing, but growing as well. Like they had very high minority participation in the licensing proceedings, but they didn't have high licensing approval for minorities. Like thankfully, you know, like we, in this state, we have, you know, the first dispensary that was like the youngest dispensary owner that was a black woman in this country, Hope Wiseman, you know, she's in PG County, which where's I, I'm from actually, um, but in Baltimore, no, um. If you go there, it's unfortunately how you would see a facility, maybe like on the West Coast, they're trying to operate the same way. But because of the pricing structures, it puts a lot of that medicine out of the hands of people really that uh, really need it. Um, And it also keeps the jobs away from, you know, people that maybe already have a legacy in cannabis, maybe people that were already growing on the black market or creating concentrates on the black market. A lot of them have been shut out. And It's unfortunate the longer we go into the program, we have more dispensaries that are established that, you know, are owned by not people of color that are actually trying to block minorities from ownership by doing like legislative actions. So it's it's really unfortunate because we obviously have a huge melting pot, not just in Maryland, but in Baltimore City. um, It's a beautiful mix of different people and cultures. But so much of the poverty rate in the country is also concentrated in Baltimore And so many of the neighborhoods, the infrastructures, the schools, the communities would benefit from that cannabis. But most of the people that own these dispensaries are not from Maryland or they are in, they have co-ownership maybe with someone that's in Maryland. So they're unfortunately don't have, sorry about that, thought I unplugged that, thought I unplugged that. But as I was saying, unfortunately in Baltimore city, it still is a huge, you know, non-minority ownership. A huge staff of non-more minority people and the trickle down of the people coming into Baltimore are not people usually from Baltimore. So the people in Baltimore that would like the medical cannabis, either they cannot get access to it because of the pricing, they cannot get access to it because of the medical cannabis cards, which was, you know, as he was mentioning, that was like kind of my first initiative when I started it. Was that I was the first person in one of the counties that you know, purchase cannabis legally. And I was a black woman. And I thought that was a major thing once I started realizing the people I was seeing at these dispensaries coming in were not minorities. There was very few minority ownership of cannabis cards. So the main thing that we want to do is not just bring those jobs, not just bring, you know, the community, but it's the idea of cannabis has that that black box on it. Like it's the association with it for people of color is still just such a negative tone. And even though as culture changes and like, you know, we have more celebrities that are very open about their cannabis use, you included as well. Um,
0: But I I've been been, open about my cannabis music for over 20 years. And And as
2: as I said, I felt like we were kindred spirits. Like I I told my mother, I was like, you know how big I am on cannabis and especially scientifically. And, you know, I saw you with Sanjay Gupta a few years ago and I was like, thank you so much, Montel. Thank you Mm -hmm. for speaking for us. We appreciate it. And so that's kind of what I want to do. Like, I've been I've been writing for a long time and then teaching classes, educating and running our day to day business. We are open five days a week, sometimes seven days a week, depending on the need, because unfortunately, as we said, the access to cannabis, unfortunately, is still so marginalized on so many different levels that it's going to take an overhaul to fix it. But. Too many people benefit from it that, you know, unfortunately don't have the best ideas in mind for the people, not just of Baltimore, but of Maryland, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I mean, the states that they're still wrestling with I've been involved with a, a couple of uh, an organization that has literally gone before, you know, uh, gone into court a couple of times now to argue over some of the ways that the licenses were granted. And some of the lies that were perpetuated that literally are set up to block people of color in Maryland. I don't understand it.
2: And it's hurtful as well, because we constantly encounter people where we tell them what we do or they see us. They see us at an event or they see us talking. And we constantly have people that are unfortunately, you know, in bigger positions than us that own these businesses that will tell us what well, you can't. And it's like, well, why can't we? We're knowledgeable. We understand the laws. We understand the science. We understand the community aspects of it. Like, all we need is a license. That's all we need. And we already have a following because people believe in us and they see what we've done as far as not just our advocacy, but the fact that we've stood up to everything we've ever said. And we've gone against those companies. Those same dispensaries here have taken ideas of ours and manipulated them and made them their own product, knowing that we can't go back at them because they have that golden ticket.
0: You know, do you have a currently have a license? No. So how are you operating? How do you operate without one in Maryland?
1: CBD. We just deal with CBD right now.
0: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Do you want to know how to become
2: a social media influencer, how to grow an online business, how to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm going to show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life. But we do oh focus on our THC stuff in like D.C. where obviously it is recreational legal. Um, Virginia, we've started spanning out there as well where it's recreationally
0: legal. So you don't you don't get to work with THC at all? Um, I do
2: as long as I'm not in Maryland pretty much.
0: Yeah. gotcha.
2: Which is always funny because they always ask for speakers about, you know, THC stuff at programs. And I'm always in a position where can I talk about it? We all know it's here and it's medical, you know, but unfortunately it's that transition to us having that legal medical ownership is just still so out of reach. Because as you mentioned, every time there's a licensing comes up, there's legislation, there's obstacles put in the way that they still have not continued their next round of licensing and they have not for the past five years.
0: Right. That's really crazy. And the first group of licenses went to a whole bunch of cronies. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I get to say that. I mean, you don't have to say that. <laughs> I know, we um, love that you
2: said it. Yeah, so, we love uh, that. <laughs> Thank so, you.
0: Again, back up for a second. Now, Tell me about the edibles that you guys create. You were able to create terpene and CBD infused edibles, no THC.
2: Yes. And I also use uh, CBD there. So there's lots of different um, extracts from cannabis that are not psychoactive. So they are legal to use, like obviously Delta A, CBD, CBG. Um, so it just really depends on the, what the client needs. So some clients maybe need something like I was saying earlier for anti-inflammatory. So I would need something with CBG, you know, or CBN. Um, and then some people just, they really like the, the CBD for anxiety. So, you know, I'll, I'll add something like that in. But as I said, in D.C., that's where I focus more of my teaching of, um, you know, teaching and teaching people how to make their own cooking and infusions in their own homes in D.C. So, uh, you know, obviously yeah, I can't DC, come to their own house sometimes.
0: And D.C. has an entirely bizarre. Form. Oh, yeah.
2: They're, it's, they're ahead of the curve, but then they're not ahead of the curve.
0: No, they're behind the curve. Right? Yeah, like it's, where, where you're, not allowed, the, you're not yeah. really allowed to sell the cannabis, but you can. I, I still don't understand those laws there.
2: That's, that's the I the uh, what's the I uh, seventy one compliance. So it's a gifting system. So you can gift cannabis to somebody, and that they can they can donate to you in return.
0: You they, know, can, they, can the buy, they can buy system. hardware. They can buy hardware, and you can gift them the the cannabis to go yep. over. Yes, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. Well, yeah, the
2: fact that, that people have to it's bartering essentially.
0: You know. So, well, you know, I mean, I, I've had a couple of people on. Uh, my podcasts that are in Maryland that have had dispensaries, I will say they were Caucasian. um, uh, Are there any African-American dispensary owners in Maryland that can sell THC products?
2: Yes, but there is, um, I'm going to say There is about probably five to six uh, owners. So I'm going to say owners, but they still obviously they have investors. So they're usually a co-owner, like the percentage for it to count as minority ownership, it has to be 50% um, owned by a minority. So a lot of them still don't count as minority owned because there's only like maybe 25% minority ownership staked into that dispensary. But as I said, um, Hope Wiseman is one. There's yeah, as I said, I think it's like five, five or six. I, I may be behind, but unfortunately, in Baltimore, no. So Baltimore, no.
0: Well, that's absolutely ridiculous. Tell that's us, a little that's a little bit, well, tell me a little bit about this Curio investment plan and how that path might be able to help minorities who are looking to get into the cannabis business. I mean, there's something that you guys wanted to start, right?
2: Yes. Um, well, King, did you want
1: to? You can go in. I told you, she's the, she's the brain. Let me jump in. Uh-huh.
2: So... Social equity, uh, if some people may not know what that means, but essentially it's um, if we're all in an area and we all have the same means to get to something, then we all should be able to have a pathway to have something. So with cannabis social equity, the idea is that they want it so that you know minorities can have the same amount of ownership as non-minority owners. So what Curio was presenting was that they already have, I, I want to say, maybe five dispensaries in Maryland and two of them were were originally owned by different dispensaries. So they, they bought their licenses. So that's the other thing too. So because of the delay of licenses, other dispensaries are just buying the other cannabis licenses and then making a new location for themselves there. Sorry, I'm like too, too much hands. Um, so what they're doing is that they want to present someone a license, I mean, uh, a dispensary and it'll be under their ownership, um, for the first year, um, and essentially, they're they're giving you all the startup money you need for a dispensary. So they're giving you the building. They're giving you the uh, the product. Um, they're giving you the, the, probably the staffing as well, I'm assuming, since it's a corporate situation. And that you have to work for them for a certain amount of time, and then you um, will retain ownership. But on one little snag there is that you cannot change it from being a uh, that dispensary name.
0: So it has to be Curio. <clears throat> and are you guys part of... Curio itself, or no, no.
1: We'll just yeah, we just reached out.
2: We reached out to them once we saw that they had the investment plans. It's obviously like we we already have a reputation within the state, and people know that this is something we've been trying to do for a long time. Um, so, like once they had um, written about it, I think they maybe wrote about it last May or something to that effect, and I, I jumped on it like, well, hey you know we're here like people know we're here we're the ones like but for us it's so important for that our ownership um so we want to retain the our name we've maintained it for the past 4 years um we love it we're associated with it we re- feel like everyone is a king and a queen not just us um so we want to bring that to people so i feel like changing our name would be like tarnishing everything we've worked for so that's my thing. Is that I would love the help of having outside investors, but it's really the maintaining who we are as just not just a brand, but we have we have a mission. Like you know, we want to change Baltimore. We want to have dispensaries outside of Maryland. Like Maryland's just beginning. You know, that's just this is our jumping off point.
0: <laughs> right now, your jumping off point for, for Throne LLC is just a CBD only dispensary. Is that right? Yep. Yes.
2: Wellness as wellness education as well. So we teach classes, we have events and stuff like that. Yes.
0: Okay. And you have one location right now, only one, and you're looking to expand out to more?
2: Yes. Yeah, so we want a brick and mortar store in Baltimore City. Uh, it's very important to him from being from Baltimore. And obviously, because that's the staple of what we do. We, our main service of area is Baltimore. Um, so we, we really just want Baltimore to be where we begin so that whatever is created from that dispensary's income can help actually help the areas around it.
0: Okay, but now, but, but, but again, you're, you're, right, you're kind of like starting something with one arm tied of your back because you don't get the chance to sell THC.
2: Yes. Yeah. And the fact that TC is my, uh, you know, I can't a black girl, you know, like that's me. Like, so yeah, the main thing is that TC is the bread and butter. Um, it's the, it's the true path to the legacy um, and generational wealth that a lot of minorities are not just owed, but just that we've decided that we want to do like we have thankfully our friends and family are extremely supportive of us. They have always been like shout out to our, our, our families. Like they're, they've always been very supportive of us and these pathways. So have you
0: you submitted an application to Curio to see if they will help back you?
2: Yes, I have.
0: And what's been the response?
2: I have not heard anything back.
0: Even though you have an existing store that's already set up.
2: I, I just, I have not heard anything back. I, um, it's interesting because about um, about 1,200 people have viewed that video just on Facebook, um, and it's been shared, you know, about a hundred times. And the people put, I agree in the comments telling Curio that they agree that they think dispenser would be the ones that can be able to carry this on. Um, but unfortunately, no, we we haven't heard back from them.
1: Yeah, we did we did a video petition, Montel, and uh, posted it on Facebook and got a bunch of backing and all. We've been Curio, I believe Curio Wellness sorry saw it. It's one of the people that we saw that I actually looked at it. So we haven't heard anything back. We're just still trying to reach out. As you said, getting the THC involved is the big boy. Um, and me man from Baltimore, she said, my goal really is bigger than this. It's, it's on a political background and all Like I think cannabis can do a whole bunch for our city to change the stigma, not only for cannabis, but for actually the city itself. Um, I feel like it's a bunch of money that's available that can go towards a bunch of different things. So that's more of my, my line my alignment of this in this, uh, the throne. I just want to go and get, you know, I feel like it's just something big and major. And I see, you know, other companies just profiting off of it and you don't know where it goes. We have no idea how it even runs. It's just a system that's, you know, basically, I don't want to call it a scam. It's just no one knows. It's not not federally, federally regulated in a way where you can actually see what's going on with the money. It's just basically they got to follow up. a a set of instructions they have to pay a fee month i mean yearly or monthly or whatever to make sure they're giving the right amount to each patient and all so we've done all the background research we've looked all this stuff up we're basically if you look on our page we have if you look at the followers we have more followers than a bunch of other dispensaries in our city like most dispensaries if i I can go that far uh, in our city our page has more followers than those whereas folks that actually know our mission have been following us for basically this half a decade and know what we've been trying to do, and that we'd be a big step. And as Queen said earlier, a lot of guys, we, I mean, you can't say they're taking your stuff, but we see things that we actually, you know, promote on our page, and we're open about it. And we see things that that become uh, items in dispensaries where they then sell to customers and things like that, or patients, I should say. And I so think it's you just were hard to say.
2: Oh, is that y'all? And we're It's like,
1: just no. it's hard seeing that type of stuff going on and sitting around and knowing you can't get involved. When you feel like I tell
0: you I've been watching this for the last twenty years because I, I run my mouth quite a bit myself and talk about a lot of the things that I've been working on for the last twenty years, and I've seen all of those actually ideas. I, I speak, I'll be speaking this year at the uh, Cannabis uh, Science Center again, a conference. Yeah, I with that. I and, love them. and as I speak at those conferences, you know, I do share a lot of information that ends up being put into place. I mean, I, I was talking about CBD long before anybody even okay, the CBD. So, um, yeah, very, very interesting. I, I, uh, if people want to get more information about your particular type of dispensary, because I guess that also is, since you're only dealing in in minor cannabinoids and not THC, you can sell across state lines, right? Yes, we mm-hmm.
1: can. Absolutely. So if people want to
0: get more information, where do they go?
1: They can go to uh, www, it's basically a Facebook site: www.facebook.com backslash the throne LLC or one word, uh, they can find out information there. If they want to uh, find out more information about our, uh, medibles or edible, uh, information, they can go to www.facebook.com backslash DQ lifted kitchen.
0: Okay. All right. For sure. Well, look, I mean, I want you guys to keep me posted on what you're doing, um, and, and how you're moving forward. And, um, you always have a home here. If you want to come back and chat a little bit more, chop it up some more. Definitely. Um, we can definitely do that. Um, how long do you think it will be before Maryland gets their act together? Either one
2: uh-huh. of them. Um, so what? I've been some yeah. movements recently, but, you know, unfortunately, as I said, with all the um, the legislative stuff that was going on, it was just like there was a lot of blocking. But it looks like now they're starting to get an idea of when we're going to start our next round of licensing and we will be there.
1: I yeah, mean,
0: I, got I, I found that it just seems like in Maryland, until you come and stick a, a you know, a, a branch into, you know, the bear's eye, they don't do anything. Um, uh, yeah. And, you know, and, um, you know I've, I've been back and forth to the state a couple of times sticking branches in bear's eyes and seem to get them to move an inch further and an inch further, but they don't seem to take the big step. So you think it's going to happen in the next year or so?
1: I'll, I'll answer this. I'll answer it a short way. When you see us, it's happened. That's how I feel. Uh, gotcha. Okay. That's
2: your that's
1: update. Us, our, our, what we can do, our knowledge, and everything. Once they allow us on board, that's when you know it's changed.
0: Okay, for sure. Well, I got to thank you guys for being here and being a part of Let's Be Blunt. If people want to get more information again. They go to
1: wwwfacebookcom backslash the throne LLC or www.facebook.com/slash backslash DQ the Kitchen.
0: All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. I'm going to have people make sure they reach out to those those websites that you just gave up. And make sure you also tune into the next edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel.
2: Yes. Thank you. Thank you, you, Montel.
0: Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. (laughs)